0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on?
1: Uh, you know, not much. I, as some of you may know, I'm a teacher and we're currently marred in the week of parent-teacher conferences, so those are a little stressful slash annoying slash time-wasting. So not not the best week, but you know, we're hanging in there.
0: Yeah, it's also not the best week because Penn State football plays Iowa, and that is more often than not, a rather ugly, uninspiring football game that makes us all feel a little bit sad and dead inside, but there are reasons... On the bright
1: for... side, Penn State has a 12 next to I was about me.
0: to say, there are reasons for us to be happy, namely the fact that uh, the inaugu- the first college football playoff rankings for this year came out, Penn State was at number 12. I mean, bit of a, it, it was a, I don't even want to say bit of a shock, it was a huge shock to me once I saw that... The top 15 was released and Penn State wasn't in there. I wasn't thinking Penn State, you know, Penn State's going to be in the top 15. I thought Penn State was unranked because I was expecting to see a bit a bit lower. Won't complain, uh, but of course, as of uh, November 2nd, 2016, that 12 next to Penn State's name doesn't mean all that much. It's what happens in the future and over the next couple of weeks, and that starts with Iowa. And we're going to talk about the, Haw- the uh, Hawkeyes a little bit today. We're going to have a really good edition of the pod because we decided to tap into that friendship we have with 11 Warriors, and more specifically, Go Iowa Awesome, the, well, awesome Iowa site that we have on the network, and we decided to go over, grab their editor-in-chief, Patrick Vint, and get him talking about the Hawkeyes. So, Pat, welcome to the podcast. How you doing?
2: Uh, I'm better now that you guys are ranked 12th, because as soon as you get up high, Iowa comes to town. <laughs> Just the way it goes. Yeah, so
0: when you... Like, you see that and expect, like... And we'll, like, dive into this Iowa team in a second, but when you see that, do you view it as, oh, so, you know, when Iowa inevitably upsets Penn State, that means Iowa's going to be in this position? Or do you view <laughs> it as, you know, uh, we are we see, like, this barometer. Like, Penn State's a program that right now we can kind of measure where we're at. Or, like, when you see that 12, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I I have both great trepidation and and great joy at seeing that for two reasons. One, the last two times that Iowa played Penn State when they were this good, Iowa won, which uh, I probably wasn't really expected to win either one of those games in any way, shape, or form. But both of those games were Joe Pa games, and if there was one coach that Kirk Ferentz had figured out it was Paterno. Um, the last time we played you guys, you mollywopped us with Bill O'Brien. So I, I, um, I'm a little bit scared, uh, but uh, – it should make things interesting. Kirk gets up for this game because he's a Pennsylvania native. He loves to tell a story about how Joe Paterno offered every player in the state of Pennsylvania scholarship except for him and and try to kind of like feed off of that in some weird like 1963 football way. Um <laughs> but that usually means that Iowa finds kind of creative ways to do things like, you know, uh take a safety on purpose, things like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, looking at Iowa's schedule, uh, this team, I think it kind of gets... uh, Coming into this year, Iowa had some pretty high expectations based off of how great last year was. And can, can you just kind of compare both of these teams, how they're similar, how they're different, and... Kind of just the mindset around it, because last year it seemed like Iowa really relished uh, the whole, you know, we're undefeated but nobody respects us thing, whereas this year, you know, they lost North Dakota State, they lost Northwestern, they lost an ugly game to Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, I I think, I mean, look, a lot of the players that were on that team came back, which is why you got the expectations that they did. But I don't think anybody really understood how much they would miss some of the guys who weren't there. Um They clearly missed the two interior linemen that they lost, and Iowa's line this year was nowhere near where it was last season. Um, They lost their center and a guard. Both were four-star prospects. They're being replaced by um, uh, essentially a walk-on and a converted tight end. So that has been a difficult transition for them. They seem to know who their five best linemen are, but don't really know how to fit them into a place where they really work particularly well. It's gotten a little bit better in the last couple weeks, but still isn't great. Um, without that, the running game has been pretty good even with without great line play but it it was expected to kind of carry this team. The other big thing is a guy who came back, Matt Vandenberg broke his foot after lighting the world on fire for the first couple weeks of the season and the passing game has been nowhere near the same since um, Iowa's receivers get no separation whatsoever. they've really struggled to find um, uh, you know essentially open space um, to throw the ball and so uh, you know, uh, you've know, you got an all-Big Ten quarterback coming back who's under pressure all the time because the line isn't playing very well and can't find an open receiver. And that's been kind of a recipe for disaster for the, the offense. On the defensive side, they lost um, essentially the most important thing. They lost a weak side linebacker. They lost a free safety that are replaced by two walk-ons that have not played particularly well. And so in the games where the offense has played well, it seems the defense hasn't really come through. So it's been a, it's been a frustrating season. There's no doubt that Iowa got a lot of breaks last year. Um, they dominated turnover margin last year in, in kind of goofy ways that 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 I think everybody understood, but no one really appreciated it until they stopped doing it this season. Um, people have just stopped throwing at Desmond King, which has made it difficult for him to intercept the ball eight times again. <laughs> but um, I, look, it's a, it's a better team than the five and three shows. The problem they've had has been ninety percent offense, ten percent defense, as usual. And the 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 most frustrating part is that they don't really seem to have a whole lot of answers as to fix that.
0: Yeah, that's actually. I'm glad you brought that up because when we look at this Iowa team, just by S and P Plus, this Iowa team is ranked 41st. Last year's Iowa team was ranked 47th. Like that 12 and two record last year. Like you said, I think everyone. I don't want to say fluky is the word, but a lot of things went Iowa's way. Last year, this year hasn't necessarily been the case. But when you just ignore the records, is there a sense that this year's team is better or
2: worse than last year? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that it's worse than last year's team. But I think if you asked an a, a Iowa fan who's really watched closely what the problem is or what's worse, it's difficult to pick out, honestly. I mean, they, they weren't a great passing team last year either. They were good, but they weren't a spectacular offensive you know, juggernaut by any means. And so it's hard to look at them and say, well, it's just because the offense isn't working. Because the offense was, was good last year, but not great. I think the bigger issue has been, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, it, it depends on what Iowa fan you talk to. I'm of the opinion that last year, Iowa was really successful running the ball because they got away from their typical zone running scheme on every play. They uh, Brian Ferentz took over the run game um last year and really kind of installed a lot of kind of smart stuff. Like he ran a nice little he ran a little counter play that looked like the outside zone that was really great. It would bust Jordan Canzari all the time. Um They really went away from that after the first couple of weeks of the year, and they've really gone back to the old standby outside zone play, and I think it, while Iowa's two backs have combined for about 1,300 yards, they're not slouches by any means, Um it has, I think, probably affected the running game a little bit more than than Iowa fans had expected. Without the running game, you can't get play action. Without play action, this offense doesn't work. And so, um, uh, I think it's it's a scheme issue. It's a fluke issue. And yeah, maybe they're just not playing quite as well as they did last year. But honestly, I don't know if it's really easy to pick out exactly what it is that's not right. Yeah. Uh,
0: and one thing that I always find interesting asking Iowa fans about, and this would be the last thing before we kind of dive into this particular game is the perception regarding Kirk Ferentz. I mean, he's had success at Iowa, but from where I sit and when I watch Iowa football and Iowa fans, there seems to be uh, almost a sense that the program needs a breath of fresh air of sorts, but there are also some fans who are really loyal to him and really appreciative of what he's done and think that things like the contract extension that he got that will keep him through the 2026 season was something that he should have gotten something the program needed him to get. So just right now, what are your general thoughts on Kirk Ferentz in the direction of Iowa football?
2: (laughs) You're talking to the wrong guy. Um, no, I (laughs) look, I, I, um, I'm firmly of the opinion that if Iowa had gone seven and five, eight and four again last year, that Kirk might not be here this year, last year really saved him. And that's despite the fact or maybe, you know, depending on how you look at it, because of the fact that the AD is terrified of actually hiring a football coach and so has just basically given the store away to Kirk every year in a desperate attempt to keep him there so that he would have to actually go out and hire somebody. Um, and so you get things like this contract extension. Anybody who knew Iowa football and, and thought about it in any rational way. Figured that that if Kirk was going to get an extension, he was down to four years left on the contract. He still had a giant buyout. He wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, there was nobody beating down the door for a fifty-eight-year-old head coach. But everybody who seemed to think that if he was going to get an extension this year, it would be kind of the old Bo Polini deal, where he would get rolling extensions every year with a, you know, they'd make the buyout five million dollars. Or if you were going to give him, you know, five years, you would cut the buyout in half. You'd just, there'd be there'd be a give and take somewhere along there. And instead, he got the worst contract in the history of college football twice. Like, and so a lot of the goodwill from like, that year is out the window because everybody looked at that and thinks that he's just built in the program. And then they they, you know, they beat Iowa State a couple of days after he signs the contract, but then immediately after that, the offense goes back into its old shell and he loses to North Dakota State in the most ferrents way possible by like blowing a ten point or a nine point lead in the last ten minutes of the game and giving up a field goal because they ran out of timeouts and couldn't stop the clock. Like it, it was Kirk's lost that game 20 different times to Central Michigan and, you know, Indiana, and everybody's done that to Iowa at some point under him. Um, and you follow that up with fourteen a 14-7 win at Rutgers and then a, um, a loss at home against Northwestern. They've lost three straight games at home um, uh, since the contract extension. There's, there's a sense from... A certain vocal part of the fan base that that last year was we got kirk at his best so we could get his contract now he's got his contract and we're not getting kirk at his best anymore and i i don't think that's necessarily accurate i think that the perception certainly there based on what's happened and I'd be, i'm gonna be very interested to see what they do these, this next month of the year because kirk's never really gotten up for rutgers and purdue and the kind of dregs of the, the conference he always kind of just drags his team to a win yeah. He usually gets something going for Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State. And so I'll be very interested to see if they come up with something over the bye week that gets them you know kind of closer to at least a little bit of creativity in the offensive side of the, the game plan. And and if you don't see it then you know exactly what's going on.
0: Yeah, especially because like I'm looking at the schedule and there's like 6 and 6 or I mean, like I can see Iowa basically—they could win three of their last four. They could lose all four of their last games. Like I'm not sure what could happen, but yeah, like you said, there's—it's very interesting to watch this program. And Nick, I kind of want—I want to bring you in for a second, like, for, from another outsider's perspective, and from the perspective of someone who thought Iowa was really good last year. What are your general thoughts on just this program as competition in the Big East for Penn State? And just nationally, where do you... When you hear Iowa, where do you usually think of them?
1: Um, First of all, you said Big East, which is funny. I thought that was
0: hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) I I thought that was really great. Yeah, I I mean, we're recording this at 9.27 (laughs) at night, and the second we're done, I'm probably going to just pack up and watch the World Series in bed. So, yeah, (laughs) I'm exhausted. But, yes, the Big Ten. The Big Ten.
1: Yeah, so when I hear iowa the i mean it's when i hear really when i hear any team from the big 10 west my thoughts are kind of similar like iowa wisconsin nebraska when i hear that team like oh yeah they could win their division like it's the way the the way the big 10 west is right now it's just it's it's a smorgasbord of teams like it's any given year i mean hell we saw the it was on Reddit, the Purdue's path to still winning the Big Ten West. Like, they're t- <laughs> technically still alive. Yes. Uh, they'll be even more alive next year when per- the purdue train is rolling. But- oh, yes, yes. Before, oh. before, before
0: Nick continues, um, <laughs> let's see. We talk, Do we talk about Purdue when we preview? Yes, we do. We talk about Purdue when we preview the Big Ten this week. They play Minnesota. I don't give a damn about that game, so we're just going to talk about purdue I I'm <laughs> warning you now. But continue, Nick. <laughs>
1: Oh, God. Um, yeah, so when I when I think Iowa, I I mean, I, I think the perception of Iowa from the outside is kind of the same as it's been for a long time. It's a team that's going to run the football. It's a team that's going to play defense. And it's a team that will pretty much beat the teams they're supposed to beat and most of the time lose to the teams they're supposed to lose to, which is kind of, I mean, from my view, is kind of what they're doing this year for the most part. Um, so... And it, just to touch on the Kirk Ferentz thing, I know that obviously Iowa had an, an incredible season last year. Even if on paper it wasn't a team that was necessarily a ton better than what they are now. Uh, obviously, if you actually watch the games, they were. But even for a guy as beloved as Kirk Ferentz, it's just it's a scary it's a scary thing to give a coach an extension for that long, regardless of who it is so like nick Saban
0: justifies that extension maybe urban meyer does um i mean even i would would say i I don't don't think anybody does honestly yeah i mean like i'm just i'm willing to give nick saban whatever he wants because he's nick saban but yeah
2: other
1: than that it's 2026 is when it goes to
2: yeah it goes to january 2020 so the 2025 season so january 2026 is when it runs out
1: yeah, even for Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, that is a hell of a commitment. You you don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, that's ugh, yeah.
2: Well, and here's here's the thing that that you guys I don't know if you, you saw, if you've really studied Kirk Ferentz's contract in depth before tonight. Um, <laughs> the the great part of it is so in 2010 Iowa re-upped him in the first 10 year contract. Right, they went in 09. Was the year that Claiborne blocked the punt in Happy Valley, and they went to the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl, and they won the Orange Bowl, right? So in February they offer him this ten-year extension with this gigantic buyout, and he signs it in September because that's what he always does. And so um, they immediately do exactly what they did this year. They they lost to Arizona, then they lost to Wisconsin, and then the wheels came off in November. They finished seven and five, and the AD goes to the press and says, "Of course we're not happy with a seven and five finish, but." You know, we still believe in Kirk as a coach and we just had some bad luck this year, yada yada yada. So now they give him the new contract and one, I was on its pace to seven and five again based off of that. But two, the new contract has a clause that says this is the most basic this is the cl- this is the buyout. So the first three years, if he gets fired to the first year's contract, he gets hundred percent of of those years of the, the, the guaranteed amount of the contract, which is like four million dollars. He gets seventy five percent Of the next two years And then 50% of the next five years But for every season in the first five years That he wins seven games One of those last five years Goes from 50% to 100% So (sighs) his buyout jumps by (laughs) $2.5 million If he hits seven wins So he gets more money if he coaches
0: Uh Mediocre teams for the next five years
2: If he goes seven and five Over each of the next five years He's guaranteed the full amount of his contract For the rest of the five if they, have, if, they, if they fired him, they have to give him the full amount for going seven I, and five.
1: I have a question. If in this theoretical world where Iowa hits the lottery and fires Kirk Ferentz for however many seven and five seasons in a row, who, like, where do they look for a coach? Like, who, what did the, where do they look? Like, who do they look at? <laughs> they call Bielema.
2: Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. Call, that's, that's, that is the, that's River the first home. and last call. I mean, there's there's always the the segment of the fan base that calls Bob Stoops. There's always a segment of the fan base that calls Mark Stoops. There's always a segment of the fan base that, that laughs at Mike Stoops. But the fact <laughs> is, you call Bielema, because back channel wise, bielema has been kind of like the talk before last season was Bielema's is not ready to leave Arkansas. He wants to leave with his tail between his legs. But if he if he gets to that that nine, ten win season a couple times in a row he'll be able to tell himself that he won pretty well at Arkansas and he can go back home. Um, And, and it's not just, I mean, there's legitimate reporters who kind of have floated that. So I, I, I I think that's the first call. If Bielema says no, um, there's always, there's a segment, Dana Holgerson's from about, Thirty miles south of Iowa City, so you could always go to Holgo. Oh Um, my
0: God, Dana Holgerson in the Big Ten West would be amazing. Something I need
2: set set things on fire. Yes, Um, (laughs) but with that said, if it's the same AD and it shouldn't be, in if it if it does come down to um to firing Ferentz or replacing him, the AD should go before Ferentz ever goes for the contract itself. But if this AD is the one making the decision, he has put very little cash a in um in tie like historical ties to Iowa in his past picks. I mean, Frank McCaffrey has family in Iowa City, but he didn't have any actual you know ties to the University of Iowa, but that was the guy that they went after. Um I think they they, they discount that quite a bit. They figured that if you're coming to Iowa you're getting a top notch set of facilities, you're getting a ton of money. You're getting a spot where you, you can certainly win your division pretty much every year if you recruit well and coach well. And so they don't really think that they need to Find someone who's going to have a, an increased tie to the, the program simply by being an alum or having some kind of geographic tie to the area. So I expect them to, to look all over the place. But yeah, Bielema's is going to be going to get a phone call in that circumstance, even if it is the Kevin Sumlin produce scenario, and you're going to call and just get laughed at.
0: Uh, well, I mean, part of the reason the Kevin Sumlin scenario won't work is because Pat Narduzzi is the next coach at Purdue Well, yes. yes, yes. I mean, uh, but yes.
2: I, I'm personally of the opinion that the boat rower is going there, but I, I'll give you guys your fun. I mean, I mean, if you,
0: if... I mean that's the, I disagree, but that's this is a Penn State Iowa podcast, <laughs> yes. not a Purdue coach PJ Fleck <laughs> podcast. Uh, so let's actually talk about this football game. Iowa comes into this one 41st in S and Plus. 5 and 3 on the season. They're coming off of uh, a loss to Wisconsin and then a bye week. So they're going to be rested up. They're going to be kind of angry. They're going to be they're going to want to make a statement in Happy Valley. What sh- does this team do
2: really well, Pat? They they run the ball fairly well. They've become much better at defending the run. So I think I think actually the, the most interesting part of this game is going to be Saquon against the Iowa front seven. Like I I think that's gonna be fascinating. Because that really if if Penn State runs the ball, Iowa's entire defensive structure falls apart. And then it, it the you know, it's it's you know, women and children first. So um I think that's where they're really gonna focus the defense. And if they can stop that and, and 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 make Penn State throw against Desmond King, then I think it gets really interesting. But they've got they've got a couple of very good players. They've got a, a a good quarterback. They've got a very good cornerback. Um, they defend the pass fairly well. They defend the run increasingly well, and they run the ball. But they, they can't throw worth a damn. And so, yeah. um, I mean, the biggest issue for them in any game is whether or not they can actually get an open receiver every once in a while. And and I don't see that happening that often against this Penn State defense. Is, right?
0: it, are the issues throwing the ball, are those more... And and I think I know the answer to this, but are those more related to offensive line play, to receiver play, to C.J. Beathard? Like, where where are the issues? In the I passing don't game?
2: I don't think it's Beathard. I think Beathard is doing what he can. The biggest issue they have is one: they've never recruited a receiver worth a damn. Um, they are playing essentially two walk-ons and two freshmen with no or, or sophomores with no real experience as their top four receivers at the moment, and they've had real trouble. Uh, making that work in any substantive way. Um, their, their best pass-catching targets are tight end, George Kittle. He's wow. been injured for the last few weeks and hasn't played. He should be back this week, um, which should help him out quite a bit. Um, but the other part is, Bethard has been under pressure like he never was last year yeah. um, because the line just hasn't been able to hold up against um, any sort of pass rush. I mean, that uh, you know... Just about everybody's gotten home against Iowa. North Dakota State had a field day against Iowa's, you know, offensive line getting to Bethard, which was the first moment where everybody really got worried. Um,
0: uh, I'm going to do my favorite thing to do, uh, which is look at a player's sack rate and compare it to Christian Hackenberg's sack rate from last yes, year. Uh, that ha- sounds like fun. Ha- Hackenberg's sack rate last year was 9.6%. Um, Bethard's is currently 9%. So. Yeah. Uh, Hack took 38 sacks. Beathard has taken 20. So things are going well.
2: Well, here's the other part of it that's a, it's problematic. I mean, you would think that given what Iowa does on offense, which is essentially the you know the Brock Osweiler offense of just throwing the ball three yards every down, um, you would think they wouldn't have any trouble with sacks. The biggest issue they've had is they've gone back to this old sort of con- this, this dichotomy in offense where, if they put Bethard in the shotgun, they never run the ball, so everybody just tees off. And and for you know, last year, they 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 got away from that quite a bit. Really played a lot of of play action effectively. They've they've gone right back to where they're they're essentially cluing teams into what they're going to do based on their formation, and that's disaster.
0: Yeah, Nick. When again, I know you were really high on iowa last year uh in the times that you've watched the hawkeyes this year what has impressed you what has left you uh wanting more and does anyone scare you as much as desmond king scares you <laughs>
1: um i i will i i liked iowa last year i was more enamored with cj better than the team itself i will say uh I still am honestly. I really really like CJ Beathard. But I'd say from what I've seen from Iowa, the I mean, I the running game, I mean, obviously it's the thing they've been doing best, but again, I mean the running game's been impressive to me. And whether it's uh, Daniels or Wadley, both guys that I've seen run the ball have looked really good for the most part. And the other thing I've noticed, I would say, is that offensive line has not looked great and I I feel like Beathard hasn't really had the chance to be himself like he really was last season. And a lot of that does probably have to do with the loss of Matt Vanderberg, which hurts my heart because I really really like him too. Yeah. I really like a lot of guys in Iowa. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But um yeah.
2: there's room on the bandwagon, I'm
1: just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean, it's I don't when when I look at Iowa and I see them play, they're they're. I mean, again, they're exactly what I expect them to be. Like, there's, I'm not surprised by anything about this team.
2: That, that's that's essentially exactly the plan. Like, they, they, <laughs> there is no surprise in what Iowa does. Like, I, the, the great joke amongst Iowa fans is is when, when you get word like when the reporters come back after a loss, to North Dakota State, and the word is that they were playing with a with a smaller than usual playbook. So they didn't want to put anything on film. <laughs> They've run the same offense for seventeen years. What film do you are you looking for? Like yeah. they could pull up the tape of the two thousand two Iowa Penn State game and know exactly what we're going to do. So I there's yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think Bethard's a very good quarterback, stuck in a in a t- tough spot right now because of everything else around him kind of crumbling. And and, uh, yeah.
0: How would you feel if Iowa came out in this game at the triple option?
2: I I would it would be the most amazing experience of all time. <laughs> Uh so... did you did, did you see Kirk's press conference? I did not. This week. Okay, so it's funny you mentioned that. So Akram Wadley, who's the 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 fastback, right? If you're good. if you're going to do thunder and and lightning, he's the lightning guy. Okay. So um Wadley's a great story. Wadley is a kid from from Newark, New Jersey, not exactly a football hotbed. He yeah. was going to go to Temple, but he had fallen he 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 ran for like 2700 yards as a senior for a high school that was not his high school because his high school didn't have football, so he would go. Do you know like, which
1: high school it was?
2: It was. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I, I I don't remember which one he actually attended and which one he played football for. So like, I,
1: Bill and I, Bill and I are both Jersey kids, so we probably know it.
2: Okay. Um, I'm gonna find it for you. But he, so he would he would walk from his high school to the other high school to play football, and then took them to like the district final for the first time ever. That's all. Awesome. Basically on his back. But there was nobody there to, re- to, like, help him out with recruiting because he would be at school all day, and coaches would show up looking for him, and they'd be like, hey, he's over at the other school, and they wouldn't bother going over to talk to him. So f- Iowa finds him with two weeks to go for a signing day, throws him an offer, and before you know it, he's on the team. Um, anyway, he's um, – he came out before Kirk Ferentz's press conference yesterday and told reporters that during the bye week he'd been taking reps at slot receiver. <laughs> Ooh, um. Okay which Iowa fans have been begging for, like, Desmond King or somebody to play a receiver for weeks now because it can't get any worse than what you've got right now. So um, so um when that came up, suddenly it was like the story of the day. So the first question to Ferentz in the press conference, maybe the second question to Ferentz in the press conference was, Akram says he's playing a little bit of slot receiver. Is that true? And Ferentz's response was this, like, hyper-sarcastic, yeah, but we're going to play triple option, um and uh wildcat, so it doesn't really matter like it was it was just like you know we're not going to do that, so shut up <laughs> like, so when you said triple option, I thought you you've been reading the the press conference transcript and see he's talking about triple option, but no it, it would be amazing if they did that, but they won't
0: yeah, uh Nick, from what I could tell, um he went to i went to one and played for other uh we Wequahic, which I've never heard of, and Ramapo, which I have heard of.
1: Okay, yeah, not Ramapo. Yeah. so I think, I, Wequ- oh. I
0: think Wequahic was the school that he attended. Okay, yeah, that that's, that makes sense since I've never heard of them. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so Nick, let's talk about how Penn State ends up winning this football game. What do you think the Nittany Lions have to do? Because for me, I think it's just, you know, stop Iowa from running the ball and don't let Desmond King do any Desmond King stuff. But maybe I'm missing something.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of a similar formula to what they did to beat um, Maryland. And not to say that Iowa and Maryland are comparable. I think Iowa was a better team than Maryland. But to beat, especially at the time, to beat the previously undefeated Terrapins, the formula was stop the run and run on them which I think if Penn State is able to do against Iowa, then it should be a fairly comfortable win. Um, I would say, though, that if I'm Penn State, I'd be leery of another slow start, like uh, the Purdue game last week. I, I don't think that'll be the case because a night game and other hostile environment should give them enough energy. We certainly saw that against Ohio State. But if you just kind of take a look at the S P Plus numbers, the advanced stats... Um Iowa is pretty I mean, Iowa's definitely a first half team according to these and they <laughs> an it, def- yeah. Yeah, it re- definitely reflects that and they are pretty dreadful in the second half. Whereas Penn State is more of like an average team in the first half, and then once you hit the second half, they become like a top fifteen team like they're ranked right now. So I think if Iowa can jump out to an early lead, then they have a shot to i mean drag penn state down the way their defenses want to do and make this just a really really ugly dogfight. by the time the second half rolls around uh, the other thing that kind of stands out from to me from looking at the numbers is just i mean we penn state fans we know this but they have been so terrible on third down offensively okay. they've been fantastic on first and second down but they've been dreadful on third down so If Iowa can get Penn State consistently into those third and long situations in tough parts of the field, because Iowa is very good when it comes to field position. They have consistently been one of the better teams, uh, according to these numbers, in terms of field position. But if they can force Penn State into those tougher situations in offense, then you might see Trace McSorley try to start to force the ball down the field to... Chris Godwin, who we all love and is a great receiver, but if he's covered by Desmond King, that's not a great situation for Trace McSorley to try to continue this streak of non-turnovers he's been on. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say it's it should be a similar formula to what Maryland was trying to get Barkley going and just trying to contain the run game, which Penn State has done a much better job of recently. Yeah. So, I, yeah.
0: I am looking at the third down numbers right now. Iowa is 39 for 160. Six, which puts them at about 36.8%. They're 91st nationally. Penn State, on the other hand, 24 for 96. That's a cool 25%. That is dead last in college Ouch.
2: football. So, um, Hey, we're better than you at something. Ah, uh, <laughs> guy. Uh,
0: but yeah, I would, I would very much enjoy it if Penn State was better than that. Uh, but yeah, Vint, going over into your side, how does Iowa end up winning this game?
2: By making it the 6-4 the to four game again. <laughs> I, I, literally, like if, if Iowa can get – Nick hit it on the head. If Iowa gets ahead early and can run the ball, they can burn clock. I mean, where they've run into the trouble this year is they've gotten ahead early and then they've tried to run the clock out, and they haven't been able to effectively do that because everyone knows what they're going to do. Um, and so you run into them trying to run out the clock with four minutes left and instead getting a three and out, putting it back to the other team and then allowing a field goal to lose. Um, and so, I, look, I – if if Iowa makes it an ugly 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 game, they've got a shot. If Penn State's athletes get going, and if Penn State's defense shuts down the run, it's going to be a pretty long day for Iowa. I'm afraid.
0: Does the bye week give you optimism?
2: No, not awesome. at all. I <laughs> he, it, cur, <laughs> Kirk's, Kirk's record off of bye week is atrocious. It's like like four and thirteen or something like awful. <clears throat> like yeah, so no, there's no. There's no great benefit to Iowa for taking a week off. They the only the only benefit for this team is that they really have been quite injured, and and it seems from the talk at least on Tuesday that most of the guys um, that that were that were dinged up and not available for Wisconsin are going to be back now. So they get they get George Kittle back. Um, they get a fully healthy Cole Croston who will probably play right tackle, though that's kind of up in the air. Um, they get. Um, they've had some trouble at, at linebacker and on the defensive front with kind of nagging injuries. Those should be taken care of now. So they're, they're going to be back to almost full strength. But as far as like some sort of like tactical genius to come out of the bye week, that never <laughs> happens. So. All right.
0: Well, uh, I think I can guess uh, in picking this game, which direction you're going to go, Pat. Uh, but I will go first. Uh, I'm going to I'm looking at. Uh, Bill C.'s projection, Uh, his projected margin is 12 points, about 33 to 21, something like that. I think that sounds about right. I'm going to take Penn State winning 30 to 17. Uh, I like Penn State's ability to just out-athlete Iowa for a lot of the time. And we've seen Penn State's offensive line really round in the form the last couple of weeks, so I think that'll be able to – well, I don't, I'm not too worried about I was front seven. That statement is going to come back and bite me in the ass. I already know it. And then the other side of the football, Penn State's defense has just been playing outstanding football as of late. So, uh, yeah, I think Penn State wins. Uh, I think that 30-7, to 7, I think that's a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe 30-17 uh, to 17, apologies is a little uncomfortable i think it's something like 23-17 heading into the fourth quarter and then like Saquon Barkley or Chris Godwin or Mike Gesicki break one and you know that's all she wrote because i also don't really trust iwas ability to come back from behind uh nick what do you think on this one
1: i think this could game could play out kind of similarly to the Purdue game not in the scope of what happened in the Purdue game but i could see the first half I can see the team go in the locker room with something like a like 13-10 or 13-13 kind of game. Um, but then I see Penn State coming out in the second half, and I, I kind of see them laying it on a little bit. Like I'm I'm thinking like 34-13, 34-10. I, it's, not, it's not that I think this Iowa team is bad, because that's not the case at all. I think they're actually a pretty good team. But I think the combination of the night game atmosphere the this Penn State team probably having a little bit of swagger now to go along with them with this new fancy number 12 next to their name. I I I don't know. This kind of, I, again, this I'm sure this will come back to bite me too, but I I don't know. This kind of feels like a game like a chance for them to really make a statement against a better team on their schedule. Yeah.
0: And like like we've seen when Penn State Beats teams that are objectively good. Ohio State, uh, I mean, that one, they got pretty fortunate with a few bounces. Minnesota, it took some really, really good football towards the end of the game to win that one. Uh, Even Temple, that game got a little bit hairy. So, you know, beating a team that is considered to be pretty solid by a comfortable margin is something I think this team could really use. Uh, Pat, what do you
2: think on this one? I I think you guys are strongly discounting the um the ability of Kirk Ferentz to drag this game into the gutter. <laughs> um I I think I think that man's been watching the the presidential campaign and he wants to make a a game that that accurately reflects Hillary Ugh. versus Trump. Why <laughs> and, why why didn't we
0: have like Ross on this episode?
2: Of the <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm going to go against all uh uh, factual evidence here and I'm going to say that it's going to be a complete replay of the last time he played you guys under the lights in Beaver Stadium Iowa 21, Penn State 10 in a in a game that is just hideous and, it, and, and, and much like in that game the 21 is not going to come from three touchdowns it's going to be like four field goals, a safety um, somehow an extra point without a touchdown attached to it and, like, yeah, it's going to be horrible oh, But uh, I really yeah, hope I, that doesn't
0: happen <laughs> <laughs> alright Uh, So, yeah, on that note, I think it is high time that we talk about this week's Big Ten slate. Start out, Indiana going to Rutgers. Um, Indiana's going to kick the hell out of them. Um, Rutgers is very bad at football. Bill C. has Indiana winning by about 18 points. Uh, Yeah, Nick, do you see anything other than that happening?
1: No, I think it'll probably be more like twenty four, twenty seven. And I self very selfishly hope that last week's Indiana's the Indiana we see the rest of the year. Because oh, yeah. that was old that was old Indiana. Yeah. That, That's my favorite kind of Indiana. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I would rather beat Indi be in a game against Indiana where the final score is fifty to forty seven than, you know, ten to six. So let's do that. Uh Vint, what do you think of this one?
2: I, I think it's gonna be um A solid Indiana win because the only team that doesn't play Rutgers and destroy them is Iowa. Um, (laughs) uh, So I'm going to say that Indiana goes full on chaos ball because Kevin Wilson has a chance to to show himself off a little bit. And I will say Indiana 38, uh, Rutgers 10 yeah
0: and for the first time i'm doing this for a reason and not for silliness but shout out to our friends at crimson quarry for how they have gotten fully on board the producey train with us Uh, no one else on the internet has decided to buy in as hard (laughs) as those completely insane and hilarious people have so thank you so much kyle ben everyone over there y'all are perfect um not perfect, is Michigan State football, which yes. has to travel to play Illinois. Here's a fun fact about Michigan State. Their last win came when they beat Notre Dame, which is currently 3-5. and five. That happened on September 17th. So between September 18th and today, Michigan State has won as many football games as I have. Pat, do you see that streak breaking against an Illinois team that is not great, but they're at home and... Wavy Smith is going to want to fight off the reports that he's like getting bored or whatever with college football. <laughs> it took him that long. <laughs> I mean, oh, hold on, <laughs> let me see if I could uh, find this exactly because I remember seeing it and going, "Oh yeah, oh uh, the report was that he
2: was miserable at Illinois." That's that's awesome, and I think I think <laughs> if you look at their results the last two weeks, it shows how. I mean, losing forty-one to eight. Like, at Michigan is no, I mean yeah, that, like, that happened. That's right?
0: admi- that's admirable in a way. You put up but eight at, points on Michigan's defense at home,
2: like cool. How? But how? Lovey Smith, you know, like uh, Brian Urlacher defense. Lovey Smith gives up forty to Minnesota at home is just beyond me. So, um, as bad as I want to see Mark D'Antonio lose every game for the rest of his life, um, <laughs> I, I do think that Michigan State wins this one and wins it fairly handily, something like twenty-four. Now. Let's say thirty-one to uh, to seventeen. Uh, let's
0: see how many times uh, Michigan State has broken the thirty-point barrier twice. Once was when they defeated now three and five Notre Dame. The other was when they lost well, fifty-four <laughs> to forty to Northwestern in what yeah. is still the funniest college football score of the year. Uh, but they, I mean, like they didn't break thirty against Furman. So I believe in you, Lovey. Uh, I'm actually going to take Illinois to win to win this one because I. Think that would be really funny. I actually don't like the f- rational football mind in me. Does not think they win this game, but the person who likes to laugh at teams that are usually pretty good uh, thinks this happens. So, um, go Illini, Nick. What are you thinking?
1: First, I have to say that I was looking at the page and I clicked on Michigan State, and then I went back and refreshed the page, and the number of available tickets listed actually went up one. So. <laughs> 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 this game currently has sixteen hundred sixty nine tickets available, nice. starting at nine dollars. So, wow! Get in the get in there and see Lovey while you can, guys. You know, I went over. Um,
2: I went over and saw uh, Beckman Ball for for seven dollars fifty cents a couple years ago. So, I I totally get that.
1: <laughs> it it reminds me of uh, it was like uh, four or five years ago, maybe the year that the Nets were like almost historically bad, um. They might have even still been in New Jersey at that point. Oh, yeah, but, when
0: they won, like, 11 or 12 games or something.
1: Yeah, so something they did that season is something I think Illinois should try to do. One of their promotion throughout the year, it was, like, uh, s- there were six instances of it, I think. The promotion was that you got, a, uh, like, a mesh jersey type thing of uh, Darren Williams, because that's when he was uh, still with the Nets. But it was reversible, and on the other side was the best player of the team they were playing that night. Oh my god! It was the most <laughs> incredible thing. I. Huh. It was. I remember. It was like there was there was a Kobe one. There was a Dwight Howard one. There were. Uh, I mean, I, I'll try to find it afterwards. Yeah. So We'll put it on this, because it was. It was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in my entire life. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, Illinois should start doing that. Yes, to should. I'm going to take, take Sparty 27 24.
0: Legitimately good game. Interesting. I won't say good. I'll say interesting game next up on the schedule. Uh, number eight, Wisconsin has to go to Evanston uh, to take on uh, a scrappy Northwestern team that has played some pretty good football over the last few weeks. They beat Iowa. They beat Michigan State. They beat Indiana. They lost a close one to Ohio State, and now it's at home. It's a noon kick. Well, I I believe that's an 11 uh, 11 a.m. kick, their time. Uh, It'll be after the Cubs win the World Series, so the entire city will probably be juiced up. Yeah, I mean, I I think Wisconsin could be in some danger. Uh, Part of that is just because I want Penn State to be in contention for the Rose Bowl, but the other part of me is that Northwestern's played pretty well. Wisconsin's played some ugly games. It's at Northwestern. Like, listen, I I don't think it would be the craziest thing on earth, Nick, to see Clayton Thorson pull this one out.
1: No, I mean, Northwestern's been playing good football. I mean, Clayton Thorson and Justin Jackson have been a very, very good duo. Um, yeah. And it's not like Northwestern doesn't have anything to play for, because aside from us Penn State fans selfishly wanting Wisconsin to lose to in order to help our hopes at a New Year's six bowl, Northwestern still has a chance to win the Big Ten West. Yep. Like they're not out of it. So there's something very legitimate to play for there. Um I I think Wisconsin does end up winning this game. I think it's another another battle for, like like Wisconsin hasn't had enough tough games this season. Uh but I do think they end up winning this one by like I think I think the game is closer than the final score indicates. I think it'll be like 31-24, but it'll be like uh, like a three-point game until the last two minutes or so. But I, th- I think Wisconsin pulls it out.
0: Yeah, uh, Vin, what do you think? Uh, you you are actually one of the uh, few people who has got to witness firsthand Northwestern and Wisconsin. Like, so yeah. just ba- based on that, like, what do you think? Who you got in this one?
2: I, I think Northwestern is is opportunistic offensively and is getting increasingly solid on defense. I don't think that's enough to hang with Wisconsin's defense though. I have a hard time believing they're gonna score with too many points. And if, if you don't score against Wisconsin then Paul or uh Paul Christoph will gum you to death. I mean he just it's just that kinda slow grind until you finally give up the fourteen that he needs to win. Um so I, I think it's gonna look a lot like the Iowa game, frankly. I think I could see Wisconsin win this like 17-10 um and and Northwestern's game they'll they'll play them tough but I don't think they have quite enough to to do that
0: yeah um moving on to the next one Maryland at Michigan um I think we all agree that Michigan is going to stomp them uh but the thing that I'm interested in uh and Nick the
1: Revenge was, of DJ Durkin. Yeah,
0: sure. That's uh, that's what I'm interested in. No, I'm I'm actually interested <laughs> in wondering, kind of, and it's kind of related to that. But Durkin is a Harbaugh disciple. Um, we've seen in the past that coaches may, you know, kind of call off the dogs a little bit, but Michigan knows it has to win out and look pretty good while it does that to win to get into the playoff at the end of the year so uh nick do you think that michigan's gonna maybe let's say it gets to be like 28 to nothing in the third quarter do you think michigan kind of takes its foot off the gas a little bit or anything nope nope, oh, nope okay nope, interesting
1: nope jim harbaugh has no soul nope
0: then <laughs> do you agree with that
2: i agree completely if you guys have you ever you guys listen to dan levitard at all uh no. Not Sometimes really. Levitard has brought on Harbaugh lately as his music critic. <laughs> um and and the, the 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 game is that they play a bunch of like classic rock and Harbaugh decides whether or not the song is a toe tapper. Um but Harbaugh told the story the other day about how his kids do Halloween by going out in their costumes, running through the neighborhood as fast as they can to get as much candy as they can, coming back, changing costumes, and going and doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're dealing with here. There is no soul involved. No, this man—they're going to score seventy, and they're going to enjoy doing it. Oh man! All
0: yes. right. Um. So right. What, what? Hold up! Should, hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold, should, hold, up. hold, hold, on, hold up. On. No, before we do, should we end with the discussion yes. about Purdue? Yes. Okay, so yes. we'll talk about Nebraska, Ohio State first. Um, this has the potential to be a pretty good game. Um, I think Nebraska is a decent team. I don't think there's they're you know, they're really great. I think they could end up winning the big 10 West, even though their final four weeks at Ohio state, Minnesota, Maryland at Iowa is pretty tough. Um, uh, yeah. So you take that and then you take the fact that Ohio state hasn't looked really good. It's last two games, uh, you know, lost to Penn state an unconvincing four point win, uh, over Northwestern it's a night game in the shoe uh then like what do you think do you think that Ohio State comes out and just destroys like makes it a point to destroy a top 10 team or do you think that Ohio State's concerns are you know they're real they're things they have to worry about and they're things they can't overcome just by going home and playing in front of the crowd at night
2: I I think that I think that Ohio State is is as time has gone on this season, and as teams have gotten film on Ohio State, they seem to have figured out a way to at least hold them in place. I think that Mike Riley is a pretty decent coach and can do that. So, yeah. I, no, I don't think that Ohio State destroys Nebraska. But I live in Nebraska. I live with a bunch of Nebraska fans around me at all times. None of them believe that this team particularly good. So I will take that as a sign and say that Ohio State wins this like 24-10, and Tommy Armstrong throws like four interceptions to get them there.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, Nick, what about yourself?
1: Uh, I think it's weird watching Nebraska for me at the beginning of the year. It was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool that they're winning these games. They had such horrible luck last year, but now it's kind of the point where I'm annoyed that they're winning games because they're not the number 10 team in the country. So, for my own personal reasons, I want Ohio State to beat them. Plus, it makes Penn State's win like, better, of course. Um, but I also think Ohio State is the better team here. I have not been impressed with Tommy Armstrong, really, this year. And while Ohio State definitely has some very clear issues right now, I think that the night game, like you said, the night game in the shoe, I think that makes a difference. I think that alone is like a a seven, at least 7-8 point swing in their favor. So I think Ohio State wins. I don't think they win huge, but I think they win comfortably.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just mostly interested to see if Tommy Armstrong manages to get another 10 years of NCAA eligibility, because I mean, he's on like 31 at this point, and it's kind of impressive. Alright, Nick, what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh baby, we. I
0: download.
1: Talking- I downloaded the app while we were podcasting just to be ready for that moment.
0: We are talking about Purdue. Um, so last week they got whooped up on by Penn State. They're probably going to lose to Minnesota, uh, a pretty decent Minnesota team. One that I mean, we all saw firsthand is a is a lot better than I think that anyone. Kind of expected, like they're 6-2, and all that. Whatever. None of this matters. Because all that matters is that we started a damn rumor (laughs) saying that Purdue was interested in hiring Pat Narduzzi from Pitt and Pitt fans bought it. So this is our victory lap right now. There is... Wait, I was just laying in bed, and the way that my place is set up, I have the first floor, somebody else has the second floor, and I really am impressed that at no point did they, like, stomp on the floor, or come knock on my front door and tell me to shut up, because I was just laughing so hard at everything. Um, so, Nick, what do you think about Perduezy?
1: First of all, I legitimately could not fall asleep the Neither night could <laughs> It was happened. ridiculous.
0: Like I was up to like one a.m. just on Halloween night, just laughing <laughs> that this was a thing.
1: <laughs> this this was legitimately, I think, the greatest thing that we as Penn State Internet have collectively accomplished by far. Um, this this was the, probably the most one of the most fun nights I've had on the internet. But um, I mean, Purduezy man, I mean it's <laughs> it's coming. It's you. <laughs> There's a lot of rumors out there. There's a lot of rumors out there. Some people are saying they're unfounded. Um, I think that's a little premature to say at this point because I mean, it's it, a rumor. You gotta, in fairness, you gotta give the, you gotta it, it, give credence to it, it, all things that pop up.
0: But in fairness, every single one of them were started by someone at Roar Lines or a friend of the site. So,
1: yeah, but I mean, we had texts from Neil Armstrong coming in. We had. <laughs> I mean, there there's a lot of legitimate evidence to this very much happening. I think it'd be irresponsible for us to just ignore it. And um, I, I don't know. I think this is going to have to be like a multiple podcast discussion.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, uh, Penn State plays Indiana next week, um, which means that we are probably going to get the Crimson Quarry guys on and we can discuss it all in length there. Uh, Vin, what do you think about Purdue Does Is there a... Better, um, is there a better fit for personality and culture than Pat Narduzzi
2: at Purdue? Uh, guys, i got to tell you, you've hit it. You finally found it. You found exactly what <laughs> Purdue needed. Uh, another defense-first, run-heavy maniac who probably won't be able to recruit well and will just run Ohio State's. System, um, no. Look, I, I, uh, I think it's fantastic. I think you should definitely hope that Lovey Smith really is bored as hell in Champagne, which is easy to do in Champagne, I will say, <laughs> um, because they've already offered PJ Fleck that job before, and they maybe they'll offer it to him again, and then he'll take Illinois instead of Purdue because it is a slightly better job than Purdue, and then Pat Narduzzi is a real thing. Um, I, I commend you for starting a completely unfounded rumor and turning it into legitimate <laughs> news. Uh, I haven't seen anything that good since the time we said that Adam Woodbury was leaving school early to join the WWF.
1: <laughs>
2: um, and, and, then, and then I got a phone call from a, a person who knows Adam Woodbury is saying, Hey, would you mind putting up a disclaimer on that? Because the Sporting News called him and asked if he was actually doing oh the WWF. God. Yeah, it was great. Um, so uh, I I fully commend you on on pulling this off. I hope that you're right. I think the world would be better if Pat Narduzzi had to play against Mark D'Antonio every year, anyway. Um, but especially if if we could get him the worst team in the history of the conference to uh, to run. So and 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 hurt Pitt in the process because you got to remember that our coach loves nothing more than to talk about the 1977 Pitt Panthers during his press conferences. So death to Pitt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Spilly. Love your buddy, but death to Pitt. Yeah, and I, I'm
0: gonna bet that Spilly
2: isn't listening to this. No, he's watching Pitt right now. Bam yeah. They're playing. They're playing right now.
0: Um, yeah, that's shop. very appropriate that Pitt would be playing during Game Seven of the World
2: Series. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a Wednesday night game, which a Wednesday. I, yes, it didn't even exist. I didn't think, but apparently <laughs> that's what we're doing now. Um. So. Um. Yeah. I. I. I would be fully supportive of Pat Narduzzi taking over the Purdue job and three years later, losing the Purdue job.
0: <laughs> yes. That's the important disclaimer because whoever takes over at Purdue is not going to be there for very long either because they don't do what they're supposed to do or, you know, they just take a different job. Uh, but before we go, um, <clears throat> and this may get me in some trouble, but I don't care. Uh, there is a Purdue 20, uh, not 24, rivals board, Um, where the thread was started by a man named Chester
1: Copperpot, who said... (laughs) Distinguished.
0: Yes. Oh, wait. No, no, no. This... uh, Hold on. Nick, is the Lion's Den rivals or
1: 24-7? Lion's Den is 24-7.
0: It is. Okay, there was someone on 24-7's board named Chester Copperpot who was discussing the rumor. It looks like Purdue is very interested in Narduzzi. It is being reported that <laughs> Purdue met with Narduzzi reps about taking over the Purdue job. And then he started going in depth about why he would do this, including saying, and I need to find – here we go. Sounds more and more like, per, like Narduzzi is Oh, looking, is
1: this the guy that was taking – oh, no, I think yeah. that was on Rivals. Oh, this wasn't on Lions Rivals. Den okay. is, Lions Den is 247, but that – I know what you're talking about. That was okay. on Rivals.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Yes, this person said, sounds more and more like Narduzzi is looking for leverage. However, that doesn't mean he won't jump. It should be an interesting week or two at Pitt. So basically, we got someone breaking down the psyche of Pat Narduzzi as he was considering taking the job (laughs) at Purdue University. And even better was there was one Pitt beat reporter I don't know who it was, but he tweeted something about how he was looking forward to asking Narduzzi about this on Thursday. Today is Wednesday. (laughs) If he actually gets asked about this tomorrow, (laughs) I am going to lose my mind. I, I feel bad for the people who I work with because I may rip my shirt off and start running around screaming if that happens because I just mother of God. Am... It's gonna
1: be like fifty times better when they ask Dabo about Clemsoning. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm I really just anything. Also, involving...
1: also real quick, yeah. I was wrong. Two four seven is Lions Pride. Sorry. Lions
0: Pride. Okay, so yes, this is on a rivals board. Someone named Chester Copperpot was sharing the news. Uh, so yeah, that was a. Uh... That, that was an interesting podcast, as it always is whenever we do anything with uh, Patrick <laughs> Vint and the folks at Go Iowa Awesome. You should definitely go over, check out their site. Uh, you know their work. You know how funny they are. You know how good they are at discussing Iowa athletics. So definitely check them out. Vint, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Uh, we really appreciate it. Sure thing, guys. Wish you the absolute worst of luck on Saturday.
0: Right back at you, my <laughs> friend. Uh, yeah. You're not coming to the game, are you?
2: No, no, I, I would I wouldn't cross the street to watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I okay. I I just, I've got, just a I've reminder,
0: got... just a reminder that Vint predicted a win for Iowa. So Hey. Twenty one ten. Twenty one ten. We'll listen to Penn, I mean, I'll take that as long as it happens to Penn State, but again, neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening to this edition of the podcast. Uh, Subscribe SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Buy some shirts. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, and I do want to give a bit of an update on our whiteout shirts, they should be – you should hopefully get them by next week. Uh, I can't make any promises, but for all intents and purposes, these should be – getting to us somewhat soonish and we'll try and turn them around as fast as possible. Uh, But yeah, we hope y'all get those. We hope you enjoy them. And we hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Uh, Nick, any last things you want to say? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I cannot think of a better spot to end this edition. Uh, as always, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.
1: Produce is real.